You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. There is nothing that has topped it, and there was nothing that will top it. And what happened 2,000 years ago, right? This is a 2,000-year-old historical event that happened. As much as that's ancient history, far ancient history, it is as relevant and applicable and potent as it ever has and ever will be. Age and time and millennia, if anything, don't lose its potency, but make it that much more relative to us. And what happened 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, maybe the farthest you can get from here. We, we literally are the, almost the farthest on the globe that you can get from where this happened. But these truths, these truths that we see in scripture, that we sing about, that we declare, that we just read from the book of Matthew, these truths are for each one of us here today. Because you guys know, we see it all over. We live in a culture that is defined and labeled, and even our existence hinges on our performance, on our track record, right? What we make of ourselves, what we've done, how well we've done in school, what college we went to, how good we did at that job, how hard we worked, how many hours, what kind of family we grew up in, rich, poor, where we live, where you went to high school, all of it matters in the world's eyes. And in a lot of ways, culture defines and labels our existence on our track record and our performance. And because all of us live in this kind of culture, for those of us here that, that have been in this cycle, this rat race, this continual cycle of just trying to perform, it can be, it is exhausting. Utterly exhausting to always try to prove yourself and, and make your reputation and look good in other people's eyes. It's not only exhausting, but this can be utterly discouraging because I don't have to tell you, the longer you do it, the longer you just strive to make it and be somebody and feel accepted, the more you feel like you're striving and always missing the mark. The reason why I know that's true, not only from personal experience of <laughs> trying to do it myself, but our society, our families, our neighborhoods, our friends, the society we live in is filled with drugs and depression and abuse and suicide and broken marriages. These things are all too common. It's happening way too much. It's happening at a rate higher than ever in history. We're not finding our acceptance in the world. We're not finding our worth by other people. It's just not working. Everything now is at our fingertips. If you got the money, the time, if you got an iPhone, we live, we live in Hawaii. What else do you need? But we're not finding it there. Society is plagued with drugs and alcohol and abuse leading to depression and suicide, and it's devastating families. It's devastating parents and children and loved ones. 
And perhaps that's you this morning. Perhaps you resonate with that. Perhaps you're in the middle of that. This is speaking to you. What God did when he sent his son to die on the cross, what we celebrate this weekend was to meet us in our pain, in our sorrow, in our anguish. Not for, not for us to clean ourselves up and then let me come to God. God, in our plight, in our despair, in our brokenness, when we're feeling a loneliness that is driving us to suicide, when our lives are falling apart, that is when God looked down at us and said, I'm sending my son to die for you to make you whole. It's not so that we could clean ourselves up. Okay, let me go to that program. Let me feel better. No, nope, you know, I can't go to church. I can't be a Christian. I can't know Jesus. God doesn't want me because this, that, and the other. God knows all those things. And in the midst of that, that's when he sent his son to die on our behalf. See, God meets us where we're at. If you think or heard or have been told something different, it's just not true. God meets us where we're at and for the purpose to bring life and peace and hope. To bring purpose. To bring joy. To free us from the things that are robbing us of those things. What the empty tomb does... What the empty tomb that we celebrate on Easter Sunday does is it tells us that all of our hurt and our hopelessness that ultimately will end in death does not have the final word. Doesn't end there. That's not all that life has. If you didn't know this truth, all that you could possibly be living for is the life that you have temporarily here and now. You hope you have a good one. You hope your family stays together. You hope you have enough money to stay on island. And you hope you die well. But that is not the end. That is not the purpose. Death does not have the final word. It does not end there. The reason... The reason why we think death is so final is because death is so, is so painful. And, and this side of heaven, this side of eternity, this side of these truths, de death is it. It's utterly painful. It's the end. It's the finish. The reason why death is so painful is because when we lose someone, it's, it's not natural. It's not natural to experience the feelings of death. When I've experienced death, a passing of those that have been really close to me, and for those of you here that have also lost someone that's really close to you, it can be absolutely the most confusing time to, to, figure, to figure out why, and why now, and why that way. Why does it have to be like this? Why does it have to end this way? When we experience the death of a close loved one, it can bring us to one of the most confusing places and it tugs at what feel just isn't right. This isn't right. I don't know how many times I've said that, 
specifically when someone has, has, has died too early. It wasn't right. Why did that happen? Because the truth is, the reason why it's unnatural feeling is because is, it is unnatural. See, God made us to enjoy and be with him. And our first ancestors, Adam and Eve, they rebelled against this plan. They rebelled against God. And it caused separation. That separation, that rebellion against God was called sin. Sin. It's a rebellion against God's plans and God's design. Because everything was good. It was perfect. It was, it, was, it was great. There was no pain. There was no sorrow. There was no cancer. There was no death. There was no tears. There was no mourning. There was none of what I just talked about. It was perfect. But humanity, our first ancestors, Adam and Eve, rebelled against God's plan. They sinned, and it, what it ultimately did was it caused death. Sin ultimately leads to death. And death is all our fate due to our ancestors' rebellion. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We're all rebelling. We're all in the same boat, me, me included. We've rebelled. We've caused separation. We've sinned against God's plan, God's purpose for our lives. And Romans 5.12 says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And even though God made all of this, and it's wonderful, humanity, us included, we're in the same boat here, humanity's wickedness took things into our own hands, we rebelled, and we disobeyed God. And what God did when he sent his son was to pay the price of sin on our behalf. See, we accrued a debt. I don't know how many of you have done this before or are currently in debt. But there's, sin causes a debt. The debt that we accrued, we did our own self. We sinned, we, we caused a debt. That debt had to be paid. This wonderful, amazing relationship that God had wanted, we messed it up. And we have to pay for it. Something has to happen with that sin. Something has to happen with that death. With that debt, excuse me. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages, what sin has gotten us, is death. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through who? Christ Jesus our Lord. We've sinned. We've rebelled. We've gone against God's design. We've been selfish. We've lived for ourselves, And we've accrued a debt. And that debt needs to be paid. But here's the deal. No good works. No money. No good deeds. Not being religious, not going to church two, three, four times a month. None of that's going to cover that debt. Oh, but I give, but I serve, but I'm a good person. I'm not too bad compared to the other guy. None of that will pay the debt of sin. None of that will pay our debt that we'd accrue, we have accrued against God. Only a life 
A life for a life. The wages of sin is death. The only way to pay the debt of sin is with a life. Is to give a life for someone to die. And that's exactly what Jesus did. God sent his son, Jesus, to die a sacrificial death to pay our debt for us. Our debt was death, and Jesus gave his life to pay it for us. This is why we celebrate. This is why we make such a big deal about the cross and the resurrection. Because what the resurrection of Jesus does is it shows that Jesus has the power over the penalty of sin. He has victory over sin and death. Because not only did Jesus die to pay our debt, but he also offers us new life. A clean slate, a fresh start, a do-over. A do-over, a fresh start. The Bible would call it actually being born again. What Jesus offers is to forgive our sin. To wipe away the penalty of sin that we've caused against God. And he offers to not only forgive our sin, but to give us a fresh start, a do-over, a new life. And so what Jesus came to do is free us from the shackles and chains that are keeping you in bondage. That are keeping you as in bondage to sin and rebellion and brokenness and hurt and pain and addiction and loneliness. Jesus came to give life. Life abundantly here and eternally when our physical bodies give out. Our sin, our hurts, our past, our track record does not define us or have the final word when it comes to Jesus. We may think that our mistakes, the way we've lived our life, the hurt we've caused, the hurt that's been done to us, we may think that's it. I got to live in it. I got to sit with that. I got to try to make the most of it for the rest. But when it comes to Jesus, Jesus says, I want to redeem you. I want to make your life new. I want the old man or the old woman to pass away, and I want to give you life in that abundantly. I want to give you a hope and a future. And for a lot of us here, we've experienced this firsthand. We have known God's grace and his mercy. We've seen him meet us when we needed him most. There was a moment in our own life, in our own story, that we said, yeah, I've been living for myself and it's not working. It's only getting worse. It's only getting harder. I need you. I wasn't made for this. I wasn't supposed to be this way. And there's a moment in all of our lives where we've, we've made that decision. And we can say that the old has passed and the new has come. And for those of us that have made that decision already, we, we don't have, we should not have a fear of death. Because our hope in Jesus 
is that when we are absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. Death does not have the final word. And this is offered to all of us. This isn't offered just to the ones that, right, clean ourselves up or grew up in the church. This is offered to all of us, especially today. Especially today for those of you here that do not know Christ in this way. That you haven't believed this. That you haven't received God's forgiveness. This is for you today. Jesus' death and his resurrection from the dead gives his words validity. It's one thing to die for someone. It's another thing to rise from the dead. It's another thing altogether when you predicted it that that would happen. And then you do it down to the day and the time and the place. That is historical fact. Jesus Christ predicted his death and his resurrection and he died and rose again on the third day. What that should do and what that does is it gives validity to his words. No other person, no other religion, no other God could claim that. That's why Christianity, that's why Jesus stands out against any God and any religion and any person that has ever lived. And if the death and the resurrection of our Lord gives validity to his words, prior to this, this is what he said. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. This is for us also. It isn't just for Jesus. God, through his son, offers this for us. That our sins would be forgiven. That now before God, we would become righteous. That when we die, we would become eternally existing with God forever in heaven. This truth, this promise, this hope of life here and eternal life is also for us. For those of us that believe. And how that works is that we admit that we've sinned. We, have, we, we admit that we rebelled just like our first ancestors, Adam and Eve. And we want to stop living for ourselves. And we want to receive and believe what Jesus did. We want to receive his forgiveness. And it's as simply coming before God saying, I want you and I need you. I want you and I need you. Book of Romans would say, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you believe Easter Sunday, if you believe this is actually what happened, you will be saved. It goes on to say, it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. If you confess, Jesus, your Lord, I believe that you rose from the dead. This promise is for us, is for you, and it's for me. 
And if you feel like you want this, if you feel like this is tugging at you, that there's something in you that, that, that wants that, that's God. That's God wanting, reminding you, telling you that 2,000 years ago, he knew about you. He knew you'd be sitting here. He knew you want to hear this truth. You need to hear this truth because you are designed to live in this truth. I get it. When I was in this place, when I was on, in the chair when someone else was saying this, I get it. You got questions. You got doubts. You got problems. You've been hurt by the church. I get it. That's all real. Those are all real, real excuse me. I get it. I had the same questions. I had the same doubts. I was 12 years old when I heard this for the first time. I didn't grow up in the church. I don't I don't want to go to church. The moment that I heard this, I felt that tugging. I felt like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I want that. I believe that. I don't I don't understand how it works. I don't understand all the details. I don't even know what that means, but I believe that. And I remember going up to that stage, not knowing really what I was doing, but believing the simple truth that Jesus died for me. And I wanted that. I wanted what he died for to give me new life. And I came up, I prayed the prayer, and I remember immediately saying, but I don't want to go to church. I'd never been to church. I don't even know at 12 years old why I thought that, but I had questions. I had doubts. I didn't know all the answers. But I simply knew that I wanted Jesus. I wanted Jesus. And if you feel that way, you have to know that God is working in you. And everything that he's done, everything that he's doing, the reason why he brought you here today is because he loves you. It's all out of love. It's always been out of love. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to die for us so that whoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus did all the work. Jesus did all the work and it's our choice to accept it. And, and that, that is the reality of the cross and of Christianity. That's all it takes there's not rocket science involved. There's not a lot of work involved. Jesus Christ did all the work. It's us receiving and believing it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up right now and start playing. And during this first song, I'm going to give you that choice to believe. And I get it. This is as public as you can get. I get it. You might be sitting here like, Really? I wanted it, but. but here's the deal. If we openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. There is nothing to be ashamed about. Jesus was publicly crucified before everyone for us. And so during this first song, if you want this, you want Jesus, if you want to simply believe, you got questions, you got doubts, you still got issues with the church, that's okay. But if you want Jesus, you want his forgiveness, you want new life, you want the promise of eternal life, I'm going to invite you during this first song to come forward. 
or pray for you, accept the Lord. I'm going to pray. We're going to worship. And if that's you, come up anytime. It's Jesus' calling. God, we lift this time up to you and say, come, Lord Jesus. You're good. You're a good God. From the very beginning of the world, you wanted humanity to be with you. When we rebelled, when we messed up, when we pushed you away, you sent what was most precious to you, your son, to die so that you could repair this relationship so that you could get us. Come, Jesus. We want you. We want you to be exalted in this place.